Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Oh, Kevin, I am, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I know I don't like to start off a podcast by complaining. We've already got you for that. We don't need me doing that too. But I'm a little sleepy. Sleepy, George. Uh, Big weekend. Well, actually, I was in bed on Saturday night at quarter to 11. Um, I had golf the next morning. You know, I had a 30th on that night and I just took it easy. I drove, I came home, got into bed, thought, how good is this? Going to have a great, great sleep. Um, About half an hour in, I hear... Five people come into our house. My housemate had invited them over. They start deciding to have their own little karaoke party. They're absolutely blasting Love Shack. And I thought, God, this this can't go on. This can't go on for that long. Surely not. Kevin, it went on for four hours. It went on until 3 a.m. It was it was unbelievable. What do you do? It's Saturday night. It's my fault, you know. I can't get grumpy. I would have hated if someone got grumpy at me. So I just absolutely copped it until until I logged onto our router from my bed at three in the morning and um, switched off all the internet so they could no longer have their karaoke party. <laughs> oh, vengeful George at 3 a.m. Vengeful George at 3 a.m. Listeners, be careful not to disturb George during his sleep. Sounds like... Uh, you'll be on the end of uh, some revenge plays. Although your birthday is coming up pretty soon, George. Perhaps I'll get you some uh, earplugs. Oh, no, I did that. I, I had the AirPods in with the um, the noise cancelling on. Uh, it didn't work, Kevin. This was loud. This was very, very, very loud. But, you know, I'll probably just block their IP addresses and not let them have internet for a week. <laughs> 
Well, our thoughts are with, funnily enough, George's housemates. <laughs> oh, gee, I never thought of you as an advocate for fun. Anyway, thank you, Kevin. Listeners, today we're continuing with our analysis series. We're at the end of season three of BC, the third B in our five B's framework. And we have been doing some analysis of companies, big and small, to see practical examples of how they are applying the third B in their business. And today, listeners, we're talking about dreamdata.io. Now, as always, listeners, this analysis is largely limited to LinkedIn as a channel, um, both their organic and paid presence. And it's what we can see is what we are analyzing. Listeners, if you haven't come across DreamData, DreamData is a platform that gathers, joins, and cleans all revenue-related data to present transparent, actionable analysis of what drives B2B revenue. So basically, you connect all your different platforms to it, and you can see where your money's being spent and what impact that is having on your bottom line. That's what the platform does. Kev, I wanted to talk about Dream Data today uh, because I actually think they do a terrific job in complying with the framework and uh, doing what we recommend people do in BCN. And I'm really excited to share their approach with our listeners so they can take some inspiration from it and perhaps apply it to their own business. Yeah, George, this was a particularly interesting one um, when you sent them across. I was pretty excited, um, as I'm sure you were, to see a business that was really showcasing a lot of the things that we talk about on the framework, you know, a lot of ungated content and things like that. Um, but without diving too far into it straight away, I think the first thing I'll note is that it does look like a lot of helpful content, uh, which is always a positive when you get that first impression that there's a lot of helpful content right there in the feed. Yeah, that's it. And look, it's not just helpful content that is present on their company page, on the Dream Data company page on LinkedIn. Their employees also post extremely helpful content. Uh, in particular, there's an account executive there called Laura Erdem, and she's how I came across the business in the first place because she's very active in our LinkedIn sphere of B2B marketers. And she does such a sensational job of talking about all the issues that are facing B2B marketers being uh, very prevalent in that space, being highly engaging, appearing on podcasts, having people on hers. And that's how I came across Dream Data. And so she's really embedded herself in that space very nicely. And along with that, Kevin, doing a great job to educate people on all the pain points around the issues that Dream Data solve. Yeah, wow, what a great play on her part. You know, she's really increasing the trust within her own personal brand as well as the brand of the business that she works in. Uh, and of course, you know, it all plays on her goodwill. It adds to the goodwill around the audience and the relationship that they're building with the brand and with herself uh, at the end of the day. Um, but just going back to the most important point there that you were talking about was she's really talking to the pain points of her dream audience or dream customer audience or dream 100 she's talking about that disjointed and siloed nature of the modern b2b tech stack um, as it were and i think a few things that you've highlighted include misguided strategies wastes of money slower growth and an incomplete picture of exactly what's going on within a b2b business yeah, that's right. And they're all the issues that um, so many people are talking about in the B2B sphere. And she's doing such a great job uh, discussing it, bringing on other experts to discuss it. 
and then inevitably tying it back to dream data. So they do really well with that education focus. Um, so one thing that I really love, Kev, digging through their ads is they do a lot of education around B2B buying behavior. And they're doing that by actually digging up the data from the way existing clients and customers are using their platform, digging up the data as to how they're using it, and then turning that into reports. And these are really useful expert reports that are great for people in the B2B sphere. I mean, obviously, the targets of their platform can be in sales and marketing, um, people in revenue. And so then they use data to dig up information that is really interesting to those kinds of people. They'll look at, you know, what the average number of touch points might be for an average B2B journey before then someone purchases or how many stakeholders you need to engage before you win a new account on average. You know, how long is a typical customer journey and what does that customer journey look like? So some really interesting key insights that are naturally, Kevin, going to be engaged with by people who come across them. Wow, that's such a good use of your, you know, your own data to start engaging with your potential customers because you're taking the learnings, as we've always said, take the learnings from your existing customers, your dream customers, and use that to find more customers. And that's exactly what they're doing there with that building of reports and insights from their own data, which is very exciting to see. And again, they're using their understanding of their dream customers. They're using their understanding of all those pain points of their best customers and talking to those points in their helpful content. So that's a big tick right off the bat that they're showing great understanding of their dream customers. And secondly, that they're building actual helpful content that's very relevant and very targeted towards their potential dream customers. That's it. It's content that is useful for their dream customers and it's there to genuinely educate. And Kev, just that ad that I was speaking about then, the one that provides those insights around customer journey, number of touch points, et cetera, the way that they've presented that on LinkedIn is uh, in like a very snackable way. They've taken those key insights and they've turned it into a carousel. And it's a really interesting carousel. The style that they've chosen is sort of like a drawing style. It looks like, you know, someone kind of drawing on a blackboard, I guess. And they've combined that with some interesting pastel colors. And it just takes the key information and then you can just slide through it. And the first slide, for example, is the average B2B customer journey takes 192 days. And 192 days is big and bold. It's in the middle of that slide. The next one is the average B2B customer journey has 31 touches. So again, 31 touches is big and bold in the middle. And the call to action is how many touches to close a deal, question mark. So it keeps providing all the key insights right there in the feed. And that's what we always advocate for, Kevin, um, particularly when you're considering the five stages of awareness. So Kevin, if I'm unaware around these pain points that Dream Data helps solve, this interactive carousel is an awesome way to get my attention and provide me value in the feed. And you know what else I love, Kev? Yeah, what's that, George? You can click it. It doesn't ask you to put in your email. It just takes you straight to a landing page, which gives you a terrific article and uh, all the information from that benchmark report that they generated. So it's super, super helpful. I'm learning a ton. I get to browse through this landing page. I get to read it in my own time. 
and I know that I'm not going to have people hounding me off the back of it. Sorry to interrupt, guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The b2bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. Brilliant, brilliant example of how to do that demand generation and demand creation according to the five beast framework we've been talking about. It sounds like this is really one that is close to George's heart, not in the least because it has the same hand-drawn style that George likes to use for our playbook and the materials that we put on LinkedIn. But just because he might be a little biased here doesn't mean he's wrong. Let's unpack a few things that they're doing right there. So first of all, It's a very personable and very relatable way to communicate to your dream customers. We've already talked about the fact that uh, they're talking to very important pain points for those dream customers. So it's definitely relevant content. It's very helpful content because as George said, putting together reports from the data that's particularly relevant to those pain points and effectively helping those dream customers get some more understanding and solve those pain points that they might be experiencing or may not even be aware of yet. And it seems like there's different types of content to match each of the five stages of awareness. As George was saying, um, there is a good fit for those different things. This carousel maybe fits better with that problem aware or solutions aware stage where it's talking about more specific pain points. So that's also great to see. Snackable, a word that we haven't heard for a little while, um, but great that George has brought it back into our vernacular here on the podcast. It is very important to have your content, your helpful content in snackable chunks in the feed. So you're doing that education in the feed. So again, another tick for dream data. And even when you click through to the landing page, there's more helpful content. There's even more helpful content for the dream customers if they want to find out more. And it's great because As George said, it's ungated. So that's another big tick. We've always said that in that education phase, you need to have more of your content ungated. You need to let them build that trust, that sense of helpfulness with your brand, with your content. And they're definitely doing that with ungated content that is at the same time very helpful. So quite a few ticks there just from that one carousel ad that George was talking about. Yeah, Kev, it's almost like they've been following our 5Bs framework step for step, really, all the way down to the drawing and the style that we use. And it's really great to see a company actually um, do it. I'm not saying that they follow the B2B playbook and they've actually done it, but we certainly align on what we believe a good marketing strategy is. So they're doing a terrific job there. Kev, I think one thing that's really interesting that they do is use that organic style in their ads. And it's something that you and I advocate for. And that's really trying to make our ads not look like ads. And the reason that we don't want our ads to look like ads is several fold. I mean, the first is, listeners, you are bombarded with hundreds of ads every day. How many of those actually register with you and you remember? There'd be a handful at best. So anytime you're running an ad, 
You want to try and make it not look an ad, like an ad or do something that really grabs that user's attention. Kevin and I think that probably the easiest way to do that rather than pouring a ton of money into creatives is to actually just make something that looks organic and delivers heaps of value. So if we make something look organic, then it just looks like another piece of information that has come from a trusted source. And if you trust that source, then, and it looks like helpful information, then why wouldn't you stop and engage with it? So it all comes back to that intention behind why we're creating that ad. We should be creating that ad to really try and help people, to educate them, to guide them through those five stages of awareness. And if we do with that approach, the reason it's an ad is literally just to make sure that we're guaranteeing delivery of that helpful information to our dream customers. It's not to have an ad to drive people to buy now, to take an action straight away. So if that's the intent, then that's how you should be using your ads and there's no issue with making your ad look organic at all. Another huge benefit, Kevin, is an organic ad is gonna have much higher engagement than an ad that looks like it's direct response and generally an ad. That's because by its nature, it's helpful. I mean, we do it for our clients. We recommend it to people that we work with and talk to, and they're doing a great job of that here. So their ads are chopping up bits of webinars. Their ads here are chopping up testimonials that clients have recorded, but they're not jazzed up. They don't look like they're of high production value. It looks like just the customer talking to the camera with some clear text above and below. And there's something in that, Kevin, that just makes you trust them so much more. I totally agree with you, George. Listeners, uh, you obviously can't see a lot of these ads that we're talking about, uh, but for context, maybe about two-thirds of them are just those recordings that George is saying with the customers, customer testimonials, or people who work within the business talking to the camera, and it's not jazzed up, it's not uh, very polished, and that's part of the appeal. That's part of why you know you would more likely stop in the feed to look at those things. They obviously also have things like carousel ads and obviously images and videos that they've put a lot of time and effort and resource into to making them look very polished and uh, very suitable for a particular piece of communication. But as George said, the majority of the promoted content of the ads on LinkedIn is of that more personal nature and that's a great plus for the engagement i'm sure and probably for how they're able to build relationships and communicate with their audience on linkedin so i think that's a great example of the helpful content amplification use case for paid channels that george and i always talk about yeah they're clearly not in the business of collecting email addresses as so many others are when it comes to running ads on social platforms like LinkedIn or Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be. They're here to educate, to guide people through those five stages of awareness, to amplify their brand, to build relationships, and ultimately get people to trust them, Kevin. So when they are educated enough and realize that they have those pain points and they're ready to solve them, then Dream Data is top of the list when they're looking for that solution. And speaking of not collecting email addresses, Kevin, the only time they do run lead form ads on LinkedIn from what I can see is when they're actually asking people to request a demo. And it's very clear from the ad, that is the purpose of the ad. You click 
the call to action there, which says, you know, want to book a demo, you click it and it says, okay, here you go, fill out these fields. That's fine. That's completely fine to do that because that person has intent to actually request a demo. They want to see a demo of the product. They're not collecting the email address off the back of a white paper or a webinar where there's no real clear intent that they're actually ready to have that conversation about buying. So if you collect leads this way and then you pass them on to sales, whoever it might be, they're going to have much higher intent. They're going to be much better quality and it's absolutely worth doing because at the end of the day, the use of that form in the feed is actually super convenient to the B2B marketer. They've decided that they're ready. They're ready for that demo request and you've made that super easy for them by putting it in the feed where they're already hanging out rather than forcing them to come to your website. Yeah, that must remove a lot of friction in that process, George. And again, it just comes back to fitting in with the right stage of awareness and, and the content that goes with each uh, place and the touch point that goes with each of those stages. You know, that might be a touch point that's a lot later, but it's very clearly for that touch point that's a lot later. So the quality of leads coming through will be higher uh, and the friction point will be a lot lower because presumably people seeing that ad has already seen a lot of other content that has built, helped build the relationship already. So as you said, an example of a piece of ad that's great for a touch point in the later stages of the five stages of awareness. Now listeners, something that we can't really talk to because we haven't personally been targeted by the ads from Dream Data, but presumably they're getting the targeting right as well because we're not in that pool, uh, even though we're fairly heavily involved in the B2B space, uh, we're probably not the right audience for their product. Um, within our personal or professional roles and how we hold ourselves on LinkedIn. So um, that remains to be seen how the targeting is going, but presumably pretty well. And the understanding of the dream customers is pretty strong, even at the targeting stage. One thing that I will say probably can be improved, even though it's, it's pretty good already, is probably uh, around the story format and the hook of some of these ads. I think all the intro lines and the text that goes with these ads are pretty short and to the point, which is great. And they generally hit a pain point, but sometimes the hook isn't quite there, George. I don't know if it's just me, but um, and maybe it's just that I don't have those same pain points as strongly, but it seems like some of those pain points could be hit home a little harder, a little snappier to really get people's attention when they scroll through their feed and they see one of these ads come up. Obviously, the video formats will help with that, but that's something that perhaps the team can look to tighten up with, with the hooks on some of these ads. And as well, maybe to change it more into story format in the sequencing of some of these ads. I think a lot of them play in the same space in these five stages of awareness and in the same points in the story format. And there isn't as strong a story around the brand and around the products within the brand. And that's something that potentially could really elevate them again in terms of engagement within the feed on LinkedIn with their promoted content and the ads. I think it's a really interesting contrast, Kevin. I mean, first to your point of it, there not being a strong enough hook. I mean, we compare that to when we reviewed Chili Piper's ads um, back at the end of season two in the Be Helpful stage, and they had done a terrific job at getting that hook right. They, it was super emotive writing. It just made you feel something and made you have to click it to want to read more. And their ads did a great job as existing as just ads within the feed 
Whereas a lot of the value from uh, Dream Data's ads, I mean, they do have good snackable formats for, I guess, each of the educational pieces that they're pushing. But most of the value is in clicking and going to their landing page. So I guess, Kevin, they've done a great job, but I would like to see them provide perhaps even more value in the feed. And one limitation is if you were just, this is a little bit technical, but if you're running an ad on LinkedIn, if you're just setting up as an ad, there's a character limit as to how many words you can use when you're actually creating a post. But if you have an existing organic post and you want to instead boost that, then uh, that character limit is much, much larger and allows you to deliver more value in the feed. So perhaps that's something that they could look at doing. Um, it wouldn't be that hard for them to do because it really aligns with a lot of the organic material that they put out anyway. So maybe that's something to think about. Kev, I also wanted to point out that it's in stark contrast to our analysis of monday.com which was largely educational focused, right? That mostly focused on educating their dream customers, not about the category so much and the issues that they're dealing with, but about what they can do with the platform and what that platform looks like. I don't know about you, Kevin, but just by browsing through their ads here on LinkedIn, I don't have a great sense of exactly what the product does and what it looks like and what I can get out of it. No, I totally agree with you, George. And obviously they're approaching it a little differently in terms of what they're trying to communicate on the socials and through the paid ads. Um, but it is an interesting point of contrast. You know, It probably comes back to that point around uh, the, the strength of the brands. You know, When we talked about why monday.com could talk so much about the feeling of the platform and what that looks like internally and getting people across the line in terms of not having that uh, barrier to entry because they're afraid of what it looks like on the other side once they get into the platform that was because monday.com had such a strong brand and such strong brand recognition that most people already know roughly what it is and what it does and they really need to know more about what it looks like and and the hows of it uh, and the operations of it um, on a day-to-day -day level rather than the what um, and it interestingly enough probably dream data is one step back from that earlier in the journey where they have to talk about the what. What is the pain points that Dream Data is solving and where does Dream Data sit within that journey for the potential dream customers as they come to realize the problem and understand the problem. And it's probably a little bit before they hit that solutions the worst stage. But as you said, um, that's quite different. That's quite different in approach. And I do wonder if perhaps they will eventually shift and add that to their repertoire of ads as well, whether they'll start to increase the number of ads within that stage of awareness that's talking to solutions and talking about the look and feel of the product itself and what it looks like within the platform. Yeah, it certainly reflects the different stages of growth that each company is at and also, I guess, the, the kinds of business that they are. I think, as you said, Dream Data need to do a lot more work in that category demand creation space, and they need to focus in their earlier stage of growth more on those one to few relationships as opposed to one to many, which um, Monday.com has clearly got a ton of funding. They're more advanced in their journey. Everyone has heard of the Monday.com brand. And so then they just need to educate people who are in much later stages of awareness. And 
the monday.com brand is a train that is going to be very hard to stop. So they don't need to do as much work in that demand creation space. They just need to do a lot more work in uh, the education space and educating people about what the product actually does. So then they can identify those who have most intent to buy from them and then funnel them accordingly. And listeners, we're not saying either approach is the right approach. We're saying that both approaches are probably right for their respective businesses and companies at their stages of growth. And just to put a further caveat on it, Dream Data quite possibly have a whole suite of ads that talk to that solutions at West stage where they're more talking about what the platform looks like internally and on a day-to-day basis like monday.com do, but they could run that purely within a remarketing context of people who already have that problem aware, that relationship building process already started with the brand. It's a great point, Kev. And if they're doing it, they're an early stage startup. So many of them do that on cheaper platforms because you can retarget people on other platforms like you know, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and you can do that education. You're remarketing so it's targeted and it's a lot cheaper than remarketing on LinkedIn. And we're really just looking at their LinkedIn ads here. So as you said, it's very possible that they're doing that just elsewhere. And of course, we're not in the remarketing pool because neither of us own a business or work in a business that have multiple data siloed uh, tech stacks within our B2B business. Yep, so props to them for their targeting. All right, listeners, I think as you might have heard from that conversation just now, George and I are feeling relatively positive about dream data and how they're approaching things, particularly in the way that they're executing, seeing from the same handbook as we do. George, how would you score them? Oh, Kev, I like a lot about this. Uh, you know, take into consideration them doing drawings in their ads, just like us. You know, they've shown a great understanding of their market. They're providing really helpful information. They've ungated all their content. So they're really focused on genuinely delivering helpful information to their dream customers. They've done a great job at making some of that information snackable within the feed and doing work to educate in the feed. At the end there, we probably minus a couple of points for the story format not being quite as strong as we'd like and a bit of a weak hook on some of their ads. But overall, they're doing a great job at applying Be Seen, uh, the third B in our 5Bs framework. So Kev, I think I gave monday.com a nine out of 10. I think I'm gonna give these guys eight and a half, eight and a half out of 10. They're doing a great job. Eight and a half, very strong score. Well done to the team at Dream Data and we hope to see you guys keep up the great work. Well, listeners, that's another episode of Analysis from us. We'll be back next week with yet another one. As always, we're absolutely stoked that more and more of you are joining us every Monday to check out the podcast and join us for another show. If we can ask for one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform you listen on or one better, as George always says, pass the show on to someone that might enjoy it and get value from the show. It's an amazing help to us, to our future listeners, and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Take care and see you next week. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. 